Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us at the show by emailing us at championshiproundtable at gmail.com. I am Russ Goldman. I'm the host of Cottage Talk. It's a a podcast about Fulham Football Club, and you can actually follow me on Twitter at Cottage Talk. Hi, I'm Louis Shackshaft. I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. Um, You can catch me on Twitter. My handle is at Louis Shackshaft and I write for Shoot Football. Hi, this is Benjamin Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast for Ipswich Town. You can get me on Twitter at Benjamin Bloom or the podcast is at Blue Monday ITFC. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Uh, we'll start making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start with you, Russ, on Friday night. How are you feeling about Fulham at the moment? I'm feeling pretty good about Fulham. Uh, we did a show yesterday looking back at the uh, victory against uh, Brentford. And uh, it's funny because uh, last year when we played Brentford there, it, it it was a it was a battering at Brentford. We've we've actually struggled to to play against them, and the, they've had the upper hand with us. So this was uh, a match for bragging rights, but also really t- to show that the victory against Huddersfield Town wasn't a fluke. Uh, basically, we were talking about on Cottage Talk. We wanted a reaction from a from a massive victory to see if we could build upon that, and we did that. And uh, what really came out of this match for for me was. Uh, was really this identity that I think we're starting to build. And uh, I, I think it's what Jokanovic has wanted ever since he's been a foam to, to really build build this uh, this team that can play for 90 minutes, that presses high, and that has, uh, has a good amount of fitness to last the 90-plus minutes. And we're starting to see that. Uh, and uh, to beat, uh, you know, to beat Brentford was a, was a huge victory, not just for the foam supporters, 
and uh, and the players, but obviously for the coaching staff because I think it showed everyone uh, in general that that uh, that the victory against Huddersfield Town was was not just one step. Uh, it was a building block, and now we have two building blocks. We'll see what happens from this point on. But we're now moving forward instead of treading water. So that's what I got out of this week. It was it was a huge victory. It's always good to have a victory uh, on television to really show how we are improving. So for me, it really is one step at a time. And now, now we're on to the next match against Sheffield Wednesday. I look forward to that after the uh, international break. Yeah, one concern I'd have about Fulham at the moment is that where you started so well and then you went dropped off a little bit and then now you've picked up form again. Do you think that it could be that type of season where you go through these runs of good and bad form and you don't really manage to put the run together required to get into the playoffs? Or do you think that the playoffs is a realistic aim? It's funny because now I really do believe that that the uh, playoffs are a realistic aim. Um, it's a good point to talk about our, our drought uh, after the um, after the uh, international break. And uh, we, we struggled. And I uh, mentioned to you, Jake, that, that, that I thought a great deal of what was going on was uh, that uh, Jokanovic was, was really trying to add the players that he brought in at the end of the transfer window and try to mix them into the – to uh, to what he had already have, and uh, it, it just wasn't coming off. We were struggling with that, and uh, he has made some tactical changes that I think have made all the difference in the world. And uh, we were waiting to see if they could click. We, we had a feeling that at some point we were going to really hammer someone, and and thankfully it happened against Huddersfield Town. So uh, I don't think we're out of the woods yet, but I can actually see something building and. And for me, it really was about the reactions, the reactions after a bad loss, the Aston Villa loss. How would we react? React? Could we, um, could we take it forward? Well, we did that. Then it was about how do you react after a massive victory? And we reacted very well. So uh, I am hopeful that we can avoid the pitfalls that we had earlier in the season. Yeah, moving on to you now, Louis. Uh, we'll get your take on the game that happened yesterday. We'll get Ben's take a little bit later. But uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, ultimately, just very disappointed. You know, we, we've we've had a really bad week at Sheffield Wednesday, and this is probably the first time I've come on the, po- the podcast where um, I'm going to be probably slightly negative. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I am I try and keep positive and have a, a decent outlook on on performances and and whatever. But we've had two back to back losses last week against Derby and then yesterday against Ipswich. Um, I mean. Again, like I say, we, we should be getting at least three points from those two games. Uh, we probably had a bit of, bit of bad luck against Derby because um, their player handballed the ball on the line. That was a game-changing cha- game moment, but we still didn't score a goal, so we can't make excuses for that. As of yesterday, um, I know Ipswich only scored two goals away from home all season, and they managed to double that yesterday against us. Um Carvajal said after the game that we didn't deserve to lose the game, but we also didn't deserve to win. And for me, that is just completely not good enough. Like, if I'd rather lose fighting for a win um, than actually coming out and stating, look, we probably only deserved a point. But when we're at home, and it was our home form last season, what actually got us into the playoffs, I think we lost two games all season at home last year. And we've now lost three games at home already this season at Hillsborough, um, I really don't know what to think. Um, I mean, as as the podcast g- goes on, we, we will obviously talk about 
the future at Sheffield Wednesday over the next six months and, and what I potentially think may happen. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get too downbeat, but we have had a really disappointed last couple of weeks. And and to be honest, it was, it was interesting hearing Russ talk then, just because the, the way he's talking, it sounds like how I felt exactly one year ago, where Sheffield Wednesday were a bit like, you know, got a new manager come in, a few new players and we had the potential to finish top six and we did it and got to the playoff final this season. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find kind of words and expectations with Sheffield Wednesday a minute because we're just so hot and cold. But um, yeah, just, just generally quite disappointed at the minute, that's all. Yeah, one thing I'd like to ask you about is the performance against Huddersfield because I saw that game and I thought that Sheffield Wednesday looked really good defensively. They looked a threat on the, in attack and I thought that was going to be the moment where you pushed on and it just hasn't happened. Why do you think that is? To be honest, I say this every single game that we play. I always think the next game that we play, if we get victory, this is going to be the moment that we push on. And it's strange because this last two weeks, I really thought, like I say, we played Derby we were in the bottom four, I believe, at the time. I thought if we take a point there and then beat Ipswich at home. I had to took four points from the last two games. Um, but we've took no points whatsoever. And it's strange because we're now sat in 10th position. If we'd have won the last two games, I know it's all in hindsight, but we'd have been joint third. So it just shows you how, you know, a bit of bit of luck or, or a bit of confidence even. And, and we just don't seem to have that at the minute. I think after the Huddersfield game, like you said, that, that was a big victory for us. And I really thought we were going to push on from that. Um, yeah, I, I'm struggling with words, to be honest, to, to find what actually is is the problem at Hillsborough at the minute. It just seemed to be missing those key decisive moments in games and, and that cutting edge. Yeah, we've got a decent team and we, we are still actually playing good football. It's not, it's not, you know, all doom and gloom at all, but by any means, it's just that cutting edge, like I say, that we are missing. And again, like you say, Jake, I'm hoping that when we play Fulham away, that's going to be the game we go and win and then kick on. But, you know, I've, I've said that nearly every game this season, so we shall see. Yeah, moving on to you now, Ben. Obviously, you got the win in that game. Um, how do you feel about Ipswich at the moment? Because it has been a little bit of a change in form recently with two wins from your last four games. Well... It was horrific leading up to that. And yesterday was proper, proper surprise win. Last Saturday, um, we drew at home to Rotherham, who had lost seven on the trot. Um, we equalised in the 94th minute. And that was the first time that the supporters turned on, um, turned on McCarthy. So about 70 minutes in, um, the song was Mick McCarthy, your football is um, four-letter word beginning with S, which you'll probably <laughs> guess. Um, so it had been really bad, but last week he did pick a more attacking lineup, And we went to Sheffield Wednesday. I was, I was expecting him, given where Wednesday finished last season, I was expecting him to revert to type. He didn't. He he took uh, Ken Lock out from left back, the young guy, and put Knudsen back in, which we expected. But Ted Bishop stayed in midfield instead of Douglas coming in. Um, we actually scored a, a goal that wasn't from a corner or a long ball. Um, Lawrence's goal was fantastic in the in the first half, and then I think Mick won the tactical battle um wednesday went for it when 
Wallace came on. They went for a front six of, I think, uh, Bannon, Forestieri, Fletcher, Hooper, uh, Wallace and oh, the, the good centre midfielder, Lees. They really went for it. Mick then dropped off one of our midfielders and put Johnny Williams, who you will have, we have him on loan from Palace, um, put him in behind McGoldrick up front and we actually went and got the win. So I am way more optimistic than um, than last week. We got two home games coming against Forest and then uh, QPR, but QPR typically will have new manager bounce by then, no doubt. Um, so bit more optimistic and I think the the Mick out guys on Twitter have piped down a bit this week and um, hopefully it's going to be less of a trial being an Ipswich fan. Obviously there was that uh, period in the season where Ipswich couldn't buy a goal it seemed and it in your last four matches you've scored two in three of them so it does seem that's turned around now do you think that's going to continue or do you think you've still got some worries in front of goal? Um it would seem to be going that way. We sold Murphy to Newcastle on deadline day. Then Pittman went up front on his own and then got injured. David McGoldrick has come back a few games ago. Um, I don't think the personnel's the thing. I think we've stopped, you know, the long balls from the fullbacks and just pressing everybody for the second ball and started playing through the team a bit more. And yes. Um, just some goals, some goals have been lovely after five games without a single goal, which was frankly pathetic. Yeah, moving on to Newcastle now, I think everyone's going to get a bit bored of this. But yeah, we got another win this time against uh, Cardiff, who have obviously got Neil Warnock in charge now. And it was quite a difficult game. They came to St. James's Park. We got the two first half goals, but it wasn't easy by any means. Warnock really got his team up for it. And in the second half, they got the uh, the goal to get them back into it. And on another day, they probably could have got an equaliser as well. Story of quite a few of our games uh, recently where the other team could have equalised and we've been quite lucky to get away with the win. But at the same time, we are still getting these wins and it's this momentum building. We're now eight points clear of Huddersfield in third. And it, it, I don't think we're going to drop out the top two now. It is quite frustrating for other teams, I can imagine, with the money that's been spent and, and the players we've got. Ben just mentioned Murphy. He hasn't even managed to get a championship game for us yet, which just shows the strength we've got. I think he has had injuries, but uh, even if he was fit, there's doubts whether he'd even get a game. It's it's We've built that squad and now we're really pushing on for promotion. Uh, looking at the stats, we've scored the most goals in the league with 34. We've got the highest goal difference with plus 21. And this momentum, this building is is just worrying for the other teams in the, in the top six. Uh, I will go back and point to that Norwich game uh, at the end of September where we were 3-1 down and we managed to get back into that game, got the win. Uh, we haven't really had too many troubles. We perhaps may have um, drawn one or two of those games, but that didn't happen. We've got, uh, I think, it's seven wins in a row in the league since that game, which is just kind of worrying. Uh, and since that as well, Norwich have gone the opposite direction where they've been dropping points. They've lost their last three. Uh, they lost a two-goal lead at Fulham. So it, I think that game was it was the turning point. I think we'll look back at the uh, end of the season and say that was the point where Newcastle ran off of the league and that was the point where Norwich dropped off and you know struggled to get into that top two again. So 
it's quite interesting from that point of view. Um, other news going on at the club, we sold Florian Tovan to Marseille on a permanent this week because he played so many games for them. And that's another £10 million coming in to, into the club, which is just ridiculous, really. A player that wasn't wanted at the club and now we've got another £10 million. Yeah, he's just concerned. It's difficult to it's difficult to pick any faults with Newcastle at the moment. It's all looking good. Um, they had a charity week during the week for the Newcastle uh, United Foundation, which raised the highest it's ever raised. And all the players went along. And it's just that feel-good factor around the city at the moment that I think we're going to push on and finish in, this top, <laughs> finish in the top one. Yeah, I can't see any other team beating us. Brighton are the only team that I'm slightly concerned about because they're so good defensively. And they've really taken that disappointment from the end of last season and used that to spur them on. But I think even they're going to struggle to keep up with us. And it's, it's going to be interesting where it goes. Obviously, there's going to be a few more defeats during the season. I don't think we're going to win every game or go unbeaten from now or anything like that. This is a tough league and every game we play, it's, it's hard to get the win. Um, like I said, Cardiff were well up for it. They, they could have got a point on another day. Preston were probably the better team last week. So it's, it's not like we're, we're getting these wins easily. We are being tested, but we, we are getting those wins. And that's what the, that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, just moving into the topics for today, I'd just like to talk to each of you about your managers. Because um, we've all got slightly different situations with them. Obviously, it, um, Ben talked about the problems with McCarthy and the McCarthy out crowd. Um, Louis <laughs> with Sheffield Wednesday, have obviously been on a bit of a bad run and there could be pressure building on Carver House soon. I just want to know, are you happy with your manager and what are the strengths and weaknesses of their, you know, of their management style? So we'll start with you, Russ. Well, I am happy with our manager. Uh, it's funny because uh, there were some rumbles when we went through that that rough patch, Jake, uh, with, with Jokanovic. Uh, if he didn't start winning soon, there'd be more people, uh, you know, wanting wanting the uh, club to look at him. And uh, so it's been a, you know, it's been a difficult period because when you go through that difficult stretch, that's when you start hearing uh, talk about the manager. But, but what's interesting about Jokanovic, and if I have to put his major strength, is that he's willing to make changes. He's flexible. If he sees something isn't working, he's willing to change it. And that, to me, is a wonderful quality. The other thing that I would like to say is that he has established a style at Fulham. We now have a style. We did not have a style under Kit Simons. We didn't know who we were. It's taken a while to to really take root at uh, at Fulham, but now we have a style. Like I mentioned, we have this pressing style, uh, and uh, and and the team is really starting to gel and work together. So it's taken a bit. And it's also taken a bit for him to find his uh, starting eleven to really find a starting. He now, I believe, has it. And if I had to to uh, to put down a weakness, I would say maybe maybe a little bit of lost in translation. Uh, the, there was a situation that actually I I think was uh, was a major contributor to the loss uh, at Aston Villa is that he was having uh, David Button take the ball off from the back. You know, basically, you know, on a regular basis. Now I understand this, but other teams were picking up on this. They started pressing Button and Button. You could see was very uncomfortable with this, and uh, and one of those mistakes led to a goal by Aston Villa. And after that match, uh, Button uh, apparently Button and Jokanovic talked, and they kind of now have an understanding about that in certain situations. Now he's now he's just going to kick the ball long, which is fine. So I thought that maybe 
maybe his message wasn't getting getting across, you know, in that situation. I'm not sure. That's and then the other thing would be playing players out of position uh, initially. Uh, he he has now made the adjustment, which I think has made all the difference in the world. He was playing Sony Aluko central and playing Tom Kearney wide, and basically by switching them to now have Kearney central and Aluko wide has made a major difference. The other thing that again. I thought that it was a mistake to play McDonald and uh, and Parker together. And this was a little controversial recently because he has now benched Parker and played McDonald as, as your own as, as your only defensive midfielder. But that now has opened things up. Stefan Johansson has come in, and now there's more free-flowing football where when we had these two defensive midfielders, it was a little stagnant. It was a little slow. So... Uh, the ability to make the adjustments for me ha- has been a strength, but again, the weakness was, like I mentioned, figuring out that players were out of position, and then he finally adjusted. Yeah, just moving on to you now, Louis. Obviously, we live in an, an age of instant gratification. If things aren't going your way, often t- uh, supporters turn on managers, and I'm just interested to know if there's been any of that going on at Sheffield Wednesday, and are you happy with him as, as an individual? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be happy with him, you know. I mean, he's, he's probably one of the best managers that we have had in a long time. Uh, that's That's been decent for the club. And you have got to just remember what he did last year. Um, I know we overachieved, but, you know, he got to the playoff final. And, and I keep reverting back to that. This season, we are doing slightly worse than I thought we would be. I, I really thought that by now we, we would be probably top four or five. And, and we are... Potentially, we only we are only a few few points off that. Um, and and interestingly, actually, I, I looked up before I came on the pod, and we are on the same points after sixteen games as we were last season, uh, which is twenty four points. So, like I said, like I said earlier, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. Regarding the fans, yeah, there is a bit of a split. Um, some people like like myself, I, li- I like to stay confident, and I know it's difficult when you have just lost two games on the bounce. Um, and, and I am remaining positive because I know in this league that, like you know, we're only a third of the way through the league, and you, you, you win two, three games on the run, and you're straight back up there. And um, I, I've, like I say, I've, I've got to be happy with Carvajal. You know, he's he's, he's done good for the club. Um, he, he is a confident manager. He, he's very very calm under pressure as well. Like this, this is probably the first time where. Like I said, questions are going to be asked of him, and it's probably the worst two weeks as his reign as a Wednesday manager in in, in the last few years. And now's now's the testing time, really, where we're going to actually get to know a bit about Carvajal, whether he is going to be good enough for the job in those testing times. Because with a bit of luck, this last year, eighteen months or so, I've only really seen positives from Sheffield Wednesday and, and a new manager coming into the club. And, and like I say, now is a testing time with the back to back defeats. It, it will be uh very, very interesting to see where things and the club go from these two defeats, whether we kind of stagnate at the club and, and we do finish around halfway or we can turn things around and obviously we, we can keep pushing for that top six and, and potentially finishing the playoffs work which is is, is our aim and, and promotion potentially um but regarding regarding weaknesses I, I, I would still question whether he does know his best players um or his best 11 players he, he 
he certainly knows his best his best players, but does he know his best team? That's that's what that's the kind of thing what I I've been questioning recently. Like he, I know Russ Russ mentioned with Fulham, like there's a few players for us who have been playing out of position because he's making way for the so-called better players in the team playing in in another position. And for me, the players what have come into the club, like your Abdis and your Reach and even Fletcher, for an example, they've got to earn that place in the team. And I believe Fletcher has done so far this season. Uh, but the other two certainly reached 50-50 for me. Yeah, he's, he's got potential, but he's, he's still got to earn his right. Now, whereas Wallace has potentially, he's, he's been dropped quite a few times this season. Now, I understand why he's, he's, you know, he's, he's not getting any older and he's not getting any quicker. But last season, goals and assists, he actually finished top with 16. He got eight of each. So for me, even though, on the ball now, he, he might be a worse player than Reach, but as a team player, Wallace is the man for me where he's going to get the crosses in and, and it can be a, a game changer. So I'm not sure if he knows his, his, his best team. And, and, and yesterday was a bit of an eye-opener for me where the first time in a long time I've actually questioned where we were drawing 1-1 and he actually subbed Hooper and Jones. Now, statistically, Hooper and Jones were having the best game out of all the 11 players for Sheffield Wednesday. And he brought them both off. And I know as that was to make way for, um, like Ben mentioned earlier, our, our attacking threat. But for me, you've, you've got to keep Hooper on the pitch. He's, he's, he's that marksman what's going to score the goals. And, and, and if he gets a chance, 50% of the time, it's going to hit the back of the net. So, yeah, that, that was a strange one for me. So, yeah, the fans are pretty, pretty split at the minute. Uh, but like I say, um, going on for me, it's going to be big question marks whether he can get us out of this rut, for example. Yeah, and finally, just moving on to you now, Ben. Um, what, what are your feelings on McCarthy at the moment? Because obviously that is, that's maybe one that he's a, under a bit more pressure than the other two managers that we've discussed so far. Yeah, that's been like a massive thing sort of local to Ipswich. Um it depends. Uh, there's there's so many variables to it. I mean, if you look at it, he took over from Paul Jewell. Uh, Paul Jewell followed Roy Keane. Roy Keane and Paul Jewell were both utter disasters, you know, dreadful managers for Ipswich. So he took over from Jewell. We were bottom of the league and he took us up to 14th. So he was a hero. Then we finished ninth the next season. And then the following season, we finished in sixth position and Murphy scores 27 goals. And Bishop comes into um, midfield and all's looking great. And obviously we lost to Norwich in the playoffs. Um, and then last year, um, we seemed to regress. You know, Murphy's goals dried up. And the, the football seemed to go from, you know, it's always been very direct. We know, we know that with McCarthy, but it seemed to go from being exciting and direct and energetic to kind of Luddite, you know, bashing it down the line and having Freddie Sears chase after it and, you know, lots of long ball stuff. So things started to get a bit tetchy last year with the regression. We started this season and um, won the first game 4-2 and Grant Ward scored a hat-trick on his debut and you're like, this is great. And then all of a sudden, Things started to dry up. Um, Murphy was sold. And we kind of looked at it as he's now got to start building a new team. Everybody would talk about Ferguson, about how 
every five years he had a new team and it was kind of like Mick's got to build a new team now. Murphy's gone. You know, there's no longer that um, that kind of talisman at the front. And it's been kind of slow, but I think he might now be on the way to doing that. The, the bones of contention the supporters have are, one is the style of, the style of football and you know obviously we've been incredibly spoiled the George Burley team was brilliant and obviously the Bobby Robson team was ridiculous so people have quite high expectations even the Joe Royal team that lost out a few times scored tons of goals you know Darren Bent and Shecky Kuki um so it's the style of football that will make people happy uh, there's been a few issues with, like, like we've we've alluded to, people playing out of position. We've had Freddie Sears, our kind of pacey forward, has been playing left wing and kind of covering the fullback for ages. That has changed. I think the big thing that will sway uh, McCarthy in the fans' favour is there's three or four young guys there. There's Andre Dezel, Jason Dezel's son, who's like 18. Uh, there's two fullbacks, Miles Kenlock, Josh Emmanuel who are both 18, and Ted Bishop, who's 21. I think if he starts to put those guys in, the football's, you know, less Luddite and a little bit more playing through the pitch and less long ball, and obviously goals and results, I think he'll be fine. I think the problem with Mick is he's stubborn, and when things don't go his way, he reverts to type and... Douglas and Skews come into midfield, one up front, long balls, and the fans will not tolerate the direct football and the lack of goals if the team obviously aren't winning. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but certainly, like you said, last few games, some goals going in, surprise win against Sheffield um, Wednesday. Um, if the results continue on a on an upward trend, um, I, I I think we're happy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to be too controversial on this topic. I'll, I'll keep it short because I think everyone probably knows. <laughs> you don't bloody deserve to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've obviously got Rafa Benitez, which it was a shock when he took over in the Premier League. It was an even bigger shock when he decided to stay, and now I think he's going to build something quite good at the club. It, it's difficult to know how good you can sort of build a club in this age of finances because I know this season we have that advantage but if we do go up we'll be disadvantaged again against the bigger teams in the Premier League we, we won't be able to buy maybe the players that um, even teams like Everton uh, or Southampton could buy because we just don't have those finances so it'll be interesting to see how far he can take Newcastle but I think from from where we are at the moment he's probably the best manager we can get um, I don't there was there was some there were some uh, Newcastle fans calling for him to be sacked just two games into this season, which seems ridiculous. And again, sh- shows the sort of instant gratification that football fans want. They w- they want to be winning straight away. But as we've seen recently, he's he's sort of dominated this league. He knows he knows what ne- what needs to be done to build a winning team, and, and we've got to the top of the table. And I think we'll probably stay there. Uh, weakness is difficult. I think they'll come up more next season where we don't have that huge advantage over every other club but the one thing I would say is that he can sometimes be a bit too cautious um, especially against where we've got that one goal lead he often looks to protect that lead rather than try and score another which in our situation at the moment we've probably got that luxury where we can attack even with only a one goal lead and try to build on it rather than clinging on and having 
balls pumped into our box for the last 10 minutes that can get quite nervy at times but yeah I, I'm relatively happy I can't complain it, it will be interesting to see how far he could take us and this season is really the best you know judge the best example to judge him by because he's obviously gonna have bigger tests but I can't complain at the moment sadly for, for everybody else um it would have been great if he would have failed in the championship I'm sure that would have been hilarious but for everybody else apart from me but sadly I was going to say, sadly, that hasn't happened, but no, I don't want that to happen, so um, I'm not going to complain. Um, yeah, just moving on to the next topic, I just want to briefly ask each of you, um, what changes do you think your club has to make in order to achieve their aims? There's some time to go yet, but you'll have an idea of what your club is at the moment and what needs to be done for them to achieve those aims, whatever they may be. Uh, we'll start with you uh, this time, Louis, for this one. Uh, what changes do you think that Sheffield Wednesday have to make to get into that top four or five that you talk about? Um, I've I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, actually. I, I've always said that if Sheffield Wednesday find themselves out of the top six, like where they are at the minute, so, you know, between seventh and tenth, if if we get to Christmas and, and the new year and, and we're not in that top six, I, I really do question whether the manager will stay um, because our chairman, he said all along that promotion is, is the aim and, and this season's the season for it. And with the amount of money that, I know I know we haven't spent the money like, like Newcastle, etc., and and the te- and some teams have, but for, but in our terms, we've we've spent probably twenty million pound on players over the, over the last few years, and 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 obviously with the wages, what we've got now, you know, players on thirty, forty thousand pound a week, and 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 the money that is spent on the stadium, for example, I, I really wonder whether the manager would stay. That that would be very very interesting. I mean, I, I'm still confident enough that Wednesday will be thereabouts in sixth position at Christmas but that that will be interesting to see whether whether anything did or, or would happen it, it might be it might come as a shock or a surprise but we shall see with that one in terms of players coming in and out um, we, we, we've got a big squad anyway I think if we were to bring anyone in it, it would just be like it would be lone players I, I can't see us putting our hands in our pocket and, and spending millions on on players because we, we've done that more so over over the summer um, this last few years and potentially we could need another centre back as cover and um, we we do have a couple of decent centre backs in Lees and, and Leuvens and Hutch but as you all know with suspensions and injuries you you, you need better cover and we we have got Sasso who, who is is half decent but for me is, is not quite good enough so potentially a lone player may come in. For me, we we need to sell and get rid of. We've we've got a few players that are a bit dead wood at the club. Um, we, we've we've, I mean, this may not come in January, but in terms of wages and, and recoup, recouping a few losses, we, we've still got McGugan on the books. Um, it would be a great player for any Championship club. I mean, he's not played for us for for months now, but there's McGugan that could potentially leave, whether that would be in January or the summer. There's also Sugu Dealner. Philip Mayo, Sergio Bus, and potentially even Marco Matias is is just consistently and continually injured, um, and we paid like three million pound or more for him. Um, he, he could be one that leaves also. Um, but in terms of, like I said, management, I, I think if we stay in sixth position and nothing much will change, and and January might be quiet for us. I, I think, like I say, it might be just a few loan players incoming and outgoing but but that would be about it louis i do have a question for you. you you caught me off guard by talking about ross walls who has destroyed full and i'm 
curious the reason why he's been dropped. Is it is it his form been dipping? Is it lack of pace? Is it just the fact that your manager wants to go with a younger version? I, I'm just shocked by this. So, so maybe you can just tell us a little bit why he's made this decision to drop Ross Walls. To be honest, you've kind of summed it up there in your sentence yourself. I think what's happened is the manager initially, like you say, he wanted to bring in someone with a bit more youth and pedigree. Uh, so he's brought in Adam Reach, who you know he, he he plays on the left, but but you know there we go. He's a, he's a similar type of player to Wallace in his, his in his younger days. But with, but with Wallace, it's like you say, he's, he's, he does lack the pace slightly, and he was in some games going missing, and and that's why I think, like you mentioned, his his performances were under par on a few occasions. But for me, Ross Wallace is. Is is the type of player where he, he can be a game change a game changer. Right. Is similar to like Gary Hooper, and I, I always say it because he has his critics also. And I'm like, yeah, but Gary Hooper and Ross Wallace are the type of players where yeah, they might not do anything for 80 minutes or seem not to, and they might not work hard off the ball or again seem not to in inverted commas. But they can, like you said, Ross Wallace. He scored that screamer against Fulham last year. He did it against Brighton in the playoff semi final. I really don't know why, and I said it in like my, my last conversation and, and last topic, where I think, yeah, on paper, Wallace is probably not a first-team player on paper, but as a team player and a player what's going to get assists and goals consistently over 46 games, for me, is in the, is in the team every single game. And... That is something, like I say, that's questioning Carvajal about. And, and that's something that I don't quite understand. Because instead of playing Wallace on the right, is choosing Bannon, who is potentially, yeah, a, probably a better player. But I'd rather him play Wallace in his rightful position than Bannon in his position where he shouldn't be, if that makes sense. No, so, that makes total sense. Yeah, it is, it is a strange one for me. And... I really would like to see, and I know it's it's all in hindsight and you could go back to last season, but I, I think for me, the best team that we had was the team what was playing last season, apart from probably Fletcher. So again, Wallace would be on the right, Fletcher and Hooper up front with Forestieri on left and then let Reach and such as Abdi and Emmanuelson, who's not played yet, make them fight for the place in the team because last right. season it went perfect for us. So Right, and that was my point of bringing this up. When you said this, I was just surprised because you already had a, a very good team. And if it isn't broke, why fix it? That's the way I was looking at it, Louis. That's why I, w- I was shocked when you told me or told us that, uh, that Russ Wallace was dropped. Yeah, it's a very good point. Like you say, if it's broke, you don't need to fix it. And and what I was really pleased about over the summer, we did strengthen in the areas where we were weak last season. I'm just concerned now that we've we've brought in too many players that he's struggling to find a place right. for all of these players, if that makes sense. And it does. In, yeah, and in one way, it's it's kind of a good headache to have. But if he's not con consistently playing the same 11, 12, 13 players and just rotating a few every game, he's, he's chopping and changing five or six players in some games. And I really don't think that's good for the team. For me, and I know I said it on the last podcast, but you just look at Leicester City last season and they played the same 11, probably bar one player every other game. And look what look what that got them. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's, it's consistency for me. And I really I think he needs to dig deep find his best 12 
or 13 team players, not individual players, but team players, and they play for a good, you know, remainder or half of season. So Right, because what you had last season was chemistry. You had very good chemistry. And uh, if he's going to extend it, like you said, 13, 14 players, fine. But when you are chopping and changing, how can you build that chemistry? Exactly, I totally agree. And I think that's one thing that we are missing this season is, like I say, I don't think he knows his best 12, 13 players. And, and that chemistry and, and like that willpower to win, especially at home last season, you know, it, it was second to none in the league, especially especially after Christmas. And we knew where we needed to be and we knew what we could achieve. This season, we, we seem to be, I know that the league potentially is slightly harder this season with stronger teams coming down and I think stronger teams coming up as well. But we're really, really not quite in that place where we need to be at the minute and, and something is missing and I don't know what it is other than like what I've mentioned, just him not knowing his best 12, 13 team players and and I think he really just, like I said, needs to hit the ground running and find that and, and that's gonna that consistency is going to get us the points. So we, we shall definitely see what happens over the next few months with that. Yeah, just moving on to you now, Ross. Um the same question to you, really. Um, looking ahead to the January transfer window, what changes do you think Fulham have to make in order to achieve their aims of the playoffs as you talk about, if any changes at all? If I was to do anything, because I happen to like the team we currently have, uh, I would add another striker. I would add a different type of striker from Chris Martin. Chris Martin is, uh, is really coming into his own now with Fulham, and I truly believe he will score between 15 to 20 goals by the end of the season. But it's also going to be his assists, as you as you probably saw in the Brentford match. His ability to get his other teammates involved is uh, massive. So, But I want to be able to have another option. Uh, and uh, I, think, I think Fulham should look into finding a different type of striker because you have Matt Smith, who is another similar type of striker, not to the level of Chris Martin. I would want them to bring in someone with a little bit more pace as a different option, not as a starter, but someone that that could potentially you you could actually bring in to complement Chris Martin, change the formation if you need to. So uh, I would want I would want another striker, but that again, besides that, I don't think that they need to add anything. And moving on to you now, Ben, what changes do you think that Ipswich have to make uh, in January, if any at all, to achieve their aims, whatever they may be? It's a bit of a loaded question because. There's two different things. There's what's Mick going to do and there's what are the changes because I think most Ipswich fans would like to see a new right-back, but Luke Chambers is the captain and Mick's not going to drop him. Um, Like I mentioned before, we've got a really good young right-back called Josh Emmanuel. So I'd like to see that, but frankly, it isn't going to happen. Other than that, the the goalie's great. Um, We've got uh, three good centre-halves, although Tommy Smith's injured... Uh, Berra and Webster, fine. Knudsen's good left-back and Kenlock's a good understudy. Um, Ward's fine on the right-hand side. Um, uh, Tom Lawrence, who scored the great goal against Wednesday. I mean, if there was any chance of signing him, that would be lovely. He's on loan um, and presumably surplus to requirements at Leicester. Um The one where I would really like to see it change, but again, I don't think Mick will do it, is Cole Skews in the centre of our midfield. 
Mick's very, very loyal. And once you've played 30 to 50 games for him, you're in and you're not going anywhere. I just believe um, that the role of the centre midfielder has changed a little bit. And Skews kind of sits and isn't very pacey, isn't very creative, but holds his position well, marshals people, makes the odd interception. I just feel in this day and age, you can get a player who can do that and also get about the pitch and be a bit dynamic. Um, we got linked with Bradley Dack from Gillingham last year. And I always see this ginger guy playing for Brentford, who I think is uh, really good in centre midfield. Um, but someone more like that. But I don't think Skews is getting dropped. Up front, McGoldrick's doing... Um, doing a good job. Sears is great. Brett Pittman's going to come back from injury probably after Christmas. So we're okay up there. We've got Leon Best as well, kind of making up the numbers. Um, Mick doesn't stick his hand in his pocket very often. The last few times he has, um, Webster, Sears and Ward have all been good signings. The big caveat is we've got Johnny Williams on loan. If Crystal Palace were to not ask the earth and we were to pay the wages. Might be nice to see he come permanently, but kind of injury prone. I don't know. Apparently, we bidded for uh, Washington from QPR, um, but it was too late on deadline day after Murphy was sold. So maybe he'll go for a for a forward. But most of the positions are uh, pretty well stocked. Just me personally, a bit more of a dynamic centre midfielder instead of Cole Skews, but I can tell you that will not happen. Yeah, and just moving on to Newcastle now, um, obviously there's not a great need to change things, but there, there are a few things that they, they're probably going to have to do purely because I think we've got five players going to the African Cup of Nations, which is a problem because the amount of games you've got in January, you need to. we're going to need to add two or three players, even if they're on loans or um, just young players, uh, it's, it's important to get those numbers in. What I'd like to see us do is sort of bring in players that we think would be good enough for next season in the Premier League, but not necessarily that important this season, uh, either if they're from abroad or, or, or from other domestic clubs, giving them the time to bed into Newcastle, um, get a few games here and there, but maybe not play a major part in the season and sticking with the team we've already got. And then next season, they'll have, they'll have had that time at the club. They'll have settled in. And then next season, they, they could come into the Premier League where maybe they're better suited because there's a lot of players that aren't too suited to the Championship where they'd be more suited next season. So that's someone I'd like to see us do. Um, and and there's still two or three players around the club that we probably need to get rid of. Uh, Czech Tiote being the one that springs to mind most. It, he's We've tried to sell him to so many different clubs and nobody's really uh, taken that much of an interest or when teams have, they, he's failed his medical. So I think that's something we need to sort out and get him out of the club as soon as possible because I think he's on quite high wages. Um, apart from that, there's not a great deal needing to be done. I think it's it maybe uh, turning Christian Atsu's deal, uh, loan deal into a permanent is something they might look to do. He's looked very good since signing and he's... Th- He's had chances in the Premier League before where he hasn't been given the time to, to play. And I think that would change with us. So he's someone that I'd like to see us bring in on a permanent, purely because I think his pace is quite good to have on the bench when you need to make an impact or turn a game quickly. Pace is maybe the first thing you look to use. So I think he's, he's a player I'd like to see signed permanently. Apart from that, it's not a great deal. It's just sort of clearing out the deadwood, bringing in a couple of extra bodies, um, more looking towards ahead to next season than this season, I think. Um 
but yeah, I just want to move on to player watch now. Um, I just want to ask each of you which player impressed in your club's most recent fixture and um, which player disappointed. Obviously, that may be difficult for some of us to pick a player that is impressed or disappointed. So you can pick a player from the opposite team if you if you need to. So uh, we'll start with you, Russ. Well, I would say the player that most impressed me would be uh, Scott Malone at left back. And what's funny about him is that uh, we swapped him with Jazz Richards. And uh, at the time when we made this... Uh, this swap, you know, uh, both both teams were both teams supporters were like, well, you're getting the the uh, the bad end of the stick here. But uh, I got to tell you, he has actually played very well for Fulham, except for a couple of issues in the North City match. And he was definitely man of the match with his ability to cross the ball and just get forward as a left back. Uh, he really has been excellent. He's made it difficult for Ryan Sessegnon to to uh, to break into the starting 11, and everyone knows how good Ryan Sessegnon could be in the future. So Scott Malone, for me, is the player that really stood out in this match, and uh, they don't win that match without Scott Malone. Um, player that, that actually uh, did not play well. You know, it's funny. In this match, I really I can't pick anyone out, to be quite honest. If I had to say a player... That was a disappointment. It would be on Brentford, and and I think Fulham had a great deal to do with this one. That would be Scott Hogan. Yeah, just moving on to you now, uh, Louis, who impressed and disappointed for Wednesday. Uh, this was tough on, on both parts, to be honest. Uh, but I'm going to pick the player that's impressed. I'm going to go with Gary Hooper, just because he scored again yesterday. Um, so obviously he's doing something right. He was there, you know, fox in the box again, and he has actually scored now. Uh, f- well, he's our top, he's our top scorer with five goals, and he scored five goals from ten starts this season. So it just proves that he is obviously still the man there up front. Um, with him scoring yesterday, he's now scored three goals in his last six. Also, like I said earlier, he, he still has his critics with Sheffield Wednesday. Some people say he's a bit sluggish and overweight, but for me, I, I know I mentioned it. Um, but you give him them, you give him them opportunities, and fifty percent of the time they're going to hit the back of the neck. Interestingly, actually, he has scored. Um, I know Norwich were in the Premier League for thirty-two of his appearances, but out of forty-four appearances he's played for Sheffield Wednesday, now he has scored eighteen goals, and he scored eighteen goals for Norwich also when he left in the league. But that was sixty-four appearances that he made for them, so he's actually twenty appearances better off than he was at Norwich. Um, so I just thought that uh, was quite interesting to know. Um, disappointing. I could again pick a couple of players for this, but I'm going to go with Jack Hunt just because now he's had a few games this season where he's just not been at the races with us. He's, um, he's, he's a bit hot and cold, you know. He, he one game he's good, the next he's bad. He's, he's quite good at going forward, but defensively, I've still got a few question marks over that. One good thing is that with him performing, you know not up to par he, he, he has given opportunity for Liam Palmer, uh, Liam Palmer to come in uh, so he's now fighting for his place in the first team and on a few occasions he has started and to be honest Liam Palmer's not really let us down this season so we have got two right backs there fighting for that spot but just because simply Jack Hunt he's for me this season has been, hasn't been fantastic and he wasn't yesterday either Yeah and on the other that match uh, will come to you, Ben, who impressed and disappointed for Ipswich. Um, it seemed to be a fair sort of team performance yesterday. Over recent weeks, um, Webster, Adam Webster, the centre-half we signed from Portsmouth um, at the start of the season, 
has been improving a lot. He had a couple of shaky games at the start, but um, you may have spotted in the Newcastle game he had a he had a lovely dribble, which was pretty much the highlight of of that game for us. Um, so he's been doing really well. I, it probably has to be David McGoldrick though, because um, just the the tone of the team has changed since he's come back. He comes short for the ball. He wants it to feet. He'll dribble, commit players, play balls around the corner, look for one-twos. And given the style of football we have been playing, just having that type of player then all of a sudden raises up other players around him. Um, I would actually be interested in, if Louis was at the game yesterday, um, whether there were any Ipswich players that impressed him. Were you there, Louis? To be honest, mate, no, I weren't. It was an opportunity yesterday to go to Doncaster Races, so I was there. So <laughs> the wrong person to ask for this one. It's one, okay, game no. I, it's one game I wasn't able to make, I'm afraid. No problem. It's always, it's always interesting to hear it from the other perspective. Um, the, the disappointing one will be a bit of a weird one. Um, our player of the year, um, Bartosz Bielkowski, the goalkeeper, I thought was culpable for the Wednesday goal um, with a bad parry. And also parried one in the second half that nearly got followed in. Um, but that's clutching at straws because I think we had a good performance. And I think he's just set such a high standard um, that when you see a goal that he's culpable for, you're kind of like, oh my God, did that happen? And so I would say Bart, but that's obviously with that big caveat that we expect him to be brilliant every game. Yeah, for Newcastle, I'd say the player that impressed uh, could go to a number of players. It was it was like uh, Ben said, we had quite a good team performance yesterday where nobody really stood out, but nobody really disappointed either. But if I had to pick one for each, I'd say the player that impressed was Kieran Clark. Uh, I've spoken about him quite a lot uh, this season. and He's just impressed me. I, I didn't think he was going to be in the team. Uh, I thought he wasn't a great centre-back at Villa. I thought he made quite a lot of mistakes. But working with Benitez and making the move to Newcastle seems to have been uh, had such a positive impact on his career. He's playing consistently every week. He never really makes mistakes. Uh, he organises the back four. He's always talking, which we've lacked uh, in the last few seasons. We've not really had those vocal players at the back. And now we have two in LaSales and Clark, which I think helps a lot. And he's keeping out Chancellor and Bemba, who everybody thought... Um, was one of our best players last season, even though we were relegated. And it's been a surprise to see him get dropped out of the team. But Clark has come in and done really well. And he was good again yesterday. So he's the player that impressed. If anyone disappointed, it would probably have to be a Jose Perez. But, but again, he he, he, lacked, he didn't really do well with the physicality. Uh, I spoke about him before on the show. I thought that maybe the championship wasn't suited to him. But he's, in the last few weeks, he's been quite good. He's been scoring goals. He's been playing well. Uh, contributing to everything good about Newcastle. So uh, although he didn't play that well yesterday, I do think he's getting better and I do think he's going to have a good season. Um, he played very well against Ipswich uh, for, in one game. So that 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 was that was encouraging and he's uh, got the goal in the League Cup as well. So I think he's starting to turn a corner, but he wasn't great yesterday. But that was because Cardiff was so physical that it wasn't a game that suited him at all. Um, but yeah, with, with that, we're now out of time. So uh, if each of you would like just to tell people where they could reach you or any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. Okay, well, you can reach me at the show Cottage Talk on Twitter. It's just Cottage Talk. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, my personal account is Russ underscore Goldman. You can also 
Listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash cottage talk. You can catch me, Louis Shackshaft. My Twitter handle is at Louis Shackshaft. I write for Shoot Football. Obviously, I represent Sheffield Wednesday. I've got an article coming out in about a week's time, and it's based on the five key players ahead of the Fulham versus Sheffield Wednesday game. And you can catch me on Twitter. I am at Benjamin Bloom. And the podcast is uh, the Blue Monday podcast at Blue Monday ITFC on iTunes. Yeah, you could get my Twitter account at Jake Jackman with two N's. Uh, I write for EPL Index and the boot room predominantly, so I'll plug anything I do over there. And I just want to thank you all for tuning in this week, and we hope you keep listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.